Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Sofin. Here at the Smart Firefighting Podcast, we bring practical innovation to life for first responders. We break down the research roadmap for smart firefighting, published in 2015 by the National Fire Protection Association, NFPA, and the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST. We bring in entrepreneurs, fire chiefs, thought leaders, and really smart people to bring you value around innovation in smart firefighting. Make sure to follow us on social media and let us know what you think. Our firefighting community, welcome back. Today, you're going to hear from a one-two power punch combo, father-son duo, Blake and Brad Richardson. Brad is an active captain paramedic in the Fernandia Beach Fire Department in Florida, and Blake, his son, is a rising entrepreneur, co-founder of EaseAlert. In conversations, Blake and Brad talked about some of the challenges that firefighters face, especially when the dispatch comes in and the alerting process happens for a firefighter. As we know, firefighters face one of the most stressful, challenging jobs, a major issue of heart attacks and cancer and occupational health hazards have arisen. So Blake thought, how could we do the alerting process differently? So in this conversation, you're going to hear about EaseAlert, this new hardware and tactical notification system to better alert firefighters of an emergency event coming in. This helps them get into the zone, whether it's a respond to a cat in a tree or once in a lifetime call. It's really interesting technology, and I hope you're gonna enjoy this conversation. Take care and talk soon. Blake and Brad Richardson, welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Kevin, doing great. Thanks for having us. Great, thank you. So where are you both located today in the world? We're in Northeast Florida, just north of Jacksonville. Right on. I hear it's sunny there, pretty much 365. It's not too bad, yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah, good. In the Midwest, it's really starting to turn as far as the seasons, but hey, that's uh, it's not a terrible thing. Fall time is beautiful here. Yeah, it's beautiful up there. You're in Chicago, right? Yep, can't complain. That's the leaves good. are turning and, and life is good. Yeah, at least you get seasons. We don't really get those. Yeah, non-existent. So, uh, <laughs> But for those of us that don't know much about Blake or Brad Richardson, just give me a quick little high-level overview of who this, this father-son combo I'm looking at in the screen right now, this wrecking team that uh, I'm excited to learn more about. Blake and Brad, give me the high-level 30,000-foot. Who are you guys? All right. Well, I'm Brad Richardson. I'm a captain paramedic with the Fernie Beach Fire Department. I've been there for 17 years. I was a teacher before that. My wife and I are both teachers and uh, made a career change. I'm glad I did. I enjoyed teaching, but I also find my current job very rewarding. And we live in the community we serve, uh, Fernina Beach, which I am very proud of as well. And that's me. And I'm Blake, Brad's son. I'm involved with the fire service as an entrepreneur. So I co-founded a company called EaseAlert, which is a tactile firefighter alerting system designed to reduce stress and improve efficiency for firefighters. Very exciting and interesting one-two punch between the two of you. And I think that that sets a lot of opportunity up for success, considering, Brad, that you have a lot of experience in the fire service and, and Blake being an aspiring entrepreneur. And it seemed like from what I've heard, Blake, you had some conversations with your dad throughout his experience about some of the challenges. And it's often hard to really understand the unique issues and obstacles that the fire service faces without feeling it, living it, and seeing it. And you mentioned this alerting issue and dispatch issue. But frankly, I think there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast in general that have no idea what even happens in dispatch and alerting now, sort of what are the challenges and even rooms for opportunity. So Brad, I'd love if you could just paint a high level picture of like what happens 
right at dispatch and, and what are some of the logistics and, and current inefficiencies that exist now? Well, I think you absolutely nailed it that you know, dispatch is obviously critical, but there's a lot of things that go into the dispatch that it can help or hurt. And I'll start off by saying that I have a tremendous amount of respect for dispatchers. They work a lot of times 12-hour shifts in not the greatest of environments and conditions, and they are the front line. They're the ones that are dealing with people in their worst day, and they are the first point of contact. So just hats off to them, and, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for them and what they do. Uh, that being said, at our department, I can speak specifically to the, the way the dispatch works is we receive what's called, we call them tones, dropping the tones. And that goes back in, into the, the past where each station would be have a specific tone. And when you heard that, you know that you were getting dispatched to a call. And then you'd wait for the uh, verbal communications from a dispatcher themselves to let you know where you're going and, and what you're going to. And then they would update it you know, via communications in or out. Currently, we have made a, a lot of progress in that as well. With those tones are coming a lot, and the prior tones when they were dropped would come a very loud, obnoxious, alerting tone that would wake you up out of any kind of sleep. It was pretty, uh, led to a lot of stress. I know that is, uh, it's an on-off, it's a high-low pitch, very loud. Currently, we've tried to reduce that tone a little bit and increase the amount of information that dispatcher can give to you, whether it's verbally or on the computer as well. So we're receiving alerts and updates throughout the response time. But there, like I said, there's a lot of issues going there. That there's the human component. There's electronic and, and mechanical issues. The CAD, the, the dispatching system goes down at, at times. You rely on your computer system. And, and those fail. So there's a lot of things that go into this that need to go right every time to get the perfect mm. respect. And even then it can change. Yeah. It seems like for the most part, the general public, they just see a fire department or a fire truck cruising down the streets with their lights on. You don't really think about the call and all the logistics and pieces that had to go into place to get those firefighters in that fire truck en route. And yeah. I think there's, there's obviously a lot I'd like to hear about from some of the efficiency standpoint, but also you, you brought up some like just the, the actual alerting of said dispatch to the firefighter from these loud noises. And so give me some more insights in terms of like these challenges from both the, not only the efficiency standpoint, but particularly the health standpoint and what that means for the firefighters responding. Yeah, well, just going back to the tones and the alerting system as it was, it's a, it's a jolt and it wakes you up. And I, my blood pressure increases, heart rate goes up, breathing increases every single time when we had those loud tones go off in the, in the station. And then you're wondering, what's the call going to be? Is it to help you know, a lady across the street or is it to save somebody's life or go into a fire? So there's a wide gamut of, of what it could be. And you're waiting to hear that. So you're on edge as well there. And you know something else to, to bring up is, that the dispatchers only can go off the information they receive from the caller, which is a lot of times in a panic situation. So they're trying to decipher what it is that's going on there and then relay that to us in the most accurate way. And we go to calls all the time where it's we're dispatched to one thing, we show up and it's a completely different scenario, better or worse. I mean, not the fault of the dispatchers, just the whole process. There's a lot of area for you know things to make it not as accurate as it can be for sure. And Kevin, I can add on to that health a little bit too from the scientific foundation because this is something we've dived into deeply with EaseAlert and I found we can imagine it's stressful and it's not healthy, but the science behind it was pretty startling. 
And it starts with a, a physical startle response when you hear that tone. That audible alert triggers your amygdala, and that puts you in a fight or flight state of being. And over time, when your amygdala is constantly firing every third day, if you're working 2448s, you're going to have inflamed arteries. And that increases your chance of both heart attack and stroke. And then one specific finding that I found extremely troubling was the New England Journal of Medicine found that firefighters can be up to 14 times more likely to die of a heart attack during the alarm response than during non-emergency duties. And when I started reading all this, I, I knew that there was something that we have to do to change. The alerting process is it's not healthy for our firefighters and for my dad and, and for his coworkers. We got to do all we can to make that healthier and, and less impactful to improve their quality of life over the long run. Wow. And I, I mean, it seems like it's a very sort of underlying, unseen, indirect externality of this whole alerting process where, I mean, I think about it, whether just you see something on the street and you feel your blood pressure grow off, go up and that's just that fight or flight that goes off. But firefighters experience that and then to also that unknown of not knowing what the call is, there's just a lot going on. And, and it seems like that kind of ongoing burden really builds up. And I think we've heard a lot about the dynamic of increase of heart attacks and increase of cancer and sort of non kind of injuries that aren't necessarily on the job while fighting the, fighting the fire. And I've heard a lot about hydration of firefighters as being a challenge and, and different things that we can do to in, increase rehab and, and overall just improve firefighter safety around cancer prevention or heart attack prevention. But this, this alerting process and this that kind of this buildup, as you mentioned, seems to be something that no one's really talking about. But so what is it that we can do to address this? You know, you, you talked about ease alert briefly, but what is ease alert and how is this a solution that can be integrated to help address this problem from a creative angle? So ease alert mitigates that harmful effect of the audible alert and replaces it with a tactile alert. So we give each firefighter at the station a wearable device. And when they get dispatched to an emergency, that wearable device vibrates alongside our other personal alerting devices, which are lights and, and bed shakers to give everybody a notification, hey, you're getting a call. And by replacing that loud, immediate, jarring, audible alert with the tactile, gentle alert, we can reduce that starter response. Uh, and that helps acutely in the short term by, you know, calming down your amygdala. And it's going to help a lot over the long run because your body is in a much more relaxed state with each call you respond to. And it also helps with efficiency, something that we found. And that wasn't the initial goal. The initial goal was to help with stress and, and reduce that chance of a heart attack, which we know is a leading cause of line of duty death. But we found that there are a lot of ways that easily can improve efficiency too, from hearing from my dad and from his coworkers that we've been pleasantly surprised with as well. And so let's go further into that, that health component. I mean, you, you gave some fascinating statistics, but what else in regards to now using this type of said kind of not necessarily a, a noise, but this tactile response? I mean, how does that change the actual operation? And Brad, maybe you can give some context, like walk me through the difference of where it is now, kind of current operations with the noise in terms of what would that be like for an average firefighter in terms of if they were using easel or like how would that process work? Yeah. So there's two ways that I see it. It helps and enhances my job performance. One is there's a lot of areas at our station where there's maybe some dead zones or it's, it's not as easy to hear. 
an auditory alert go off. But with the whether you're by an engine doing training or you're out doing yard work or you're working out, you know, you're not going to hear those tones go off. But you do have the, the wearable on and that tactile alert, you know, as soon as you feel it go off, you look at, it, you know, you've got a call and it's specifically your station, your apparatus that is going to respond. So it, it definitely fills in a lot of the voids that we have in our station is, is and to help improve the dispatching system. But it's something that I've found personally is while sleeping. It's pretty remarkable. And I, I, when I will take my dad hat off and I will say, hey, it makes a big difference when I am awoken in the middle of the night with a light vibration on the wrist as opposed to a loud, audible uh, tone going off. I feel a lot more relaxed. I feel a lot in a better situation to receive the information, the communication to what I'm going to. And that is when the, the response starts is when you hear that dispatch. It's not when you get in the apparatus and start going before that. You got to think about, okay, do we have enough people coming? Do we have enough resources? What are we going to? What are, our, what are the SOPs that we need to look at, you know, to, to remind us to, to follow? And, and what are some things we should be looking at going into this call that can make it safer for us? The sooner you can start that and the better state of mind you can be in when you're doing that, uh, you know, the, the better chance of that call being successful. So interesting. I think a lot of times we hear and see the whole fire service where it's zero to a hundred real quick. And I guess we're, we're seeing more and more that zero to hundred is actually in most situations, never a good thing and, and a bit unhealthy. And it seems like what we're talking about these alert at least allows a little bit of a crawl walk run where you can, you know, it's coming. Okay. You know, start to go through your different workflows and SOPs and, and allow you to fully embrace for whatever that call may be. And like, there's not the need to have your heart rate going off the roof when you're sleeping. And it's maybe just a, a mundane call that just requires you to go show up somewhere. And then if it is an insane call, of course, making sure that you as a team can collectively go after it together without having any unnecessary extra stress burden. Yeah, we're going to the, a person's worst day, regardless of what it is. We need to be in the right state of mind. And the sooner we can get in the right state of mind, the more efficient we're going to be and the better the outcome is, is for everybody. I can tell you that there were a lot of times before we had Ease Alert, and even with the modified alerting tones in our department, where the tones would go off in the middle of the, the middle of the night, I'm sound asleep and I wake up. And by the time I get alert and cognitive of what's going on, you know, I don't hear the dispatch information. I've got to get to the apparatus to read the, the CAD reports to figure out what's going on. And that's delayed my initial response and in getting my mind ready for whatever call we're going on. So with the whole, you just gave a lot of good context and getting your mind right. I like that. Then obviously the health aspects. And to me, that was, that was something I never thought about. Initially, where my brain was going is the whole efficiency of getting to the response, getting to the, getting to the call. And, and I heard someone on a call the other day talking about the distance between the fire department and the incident is the distance. There's no changing that. The only thing we can do is to work to improve training and aspects of alerting and vehicle to vehicle communication to ensure that you can get there as fast as possible. Like all these little things that you can improve on. So I'd love to know the context behind the efficiency component of this, where how does this actually allow fire departments to be able to both be in the right state of mind, but more particularly get there and do their job faster and more effectively? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say a couple of ways that I can speak specifically from my experience is there's a lot of things that go into the dispatch components. What you know, we talked about that a little bit before, but the one constant has been easy alert, and that has 
where there's times where maybe we weren't dispatched, we didn't hear the dispatch, these alert goes off and we're, we realize, hey, we've got a call, we get everybody together and we start heading that direction. So that minute or two minutes right there, again, on most calls, that doesn't make or break it. But on some calls, it does. It's a one in something chance where that's going to make the difference in a positive outcome. And that's what we have to strive for is making that difference on that call that time. You know, people expect perfection every time we go on every call and we try and provide it. But anything that we can use to increase the chances that we will get a positive outcome is something that, that we're all for. So Ease Alert and this ability to the redundancy in alerting and ensuring that we're getting identifying that we're having a call and, and begin that response is definitely a positive. You hit it on the head. Like I said, you know, when we initially set out on Ease Alert's journey, it was to reduce the occurrence of heart attacks. How can we make this job less stressful? Well, we realized that in doing so, we're making this job more efficient. And that was just through feedback from my dad. Like you just said, a lot of ways that we didn't realize we could actually help. We can provide a benefit. And so it's providing that redundancy, making sure that firefighters hear the tones or feel the tones with these alert when they do get alerted as soon as possible, making sure they wake up with a clear mind, ready to respond. And they don't wake up with their heart beating through their chest, you know, not knowing which state they're in. So that's that's really the the main impact of these alerts, just making the job as as efficient and less stressful as possible. It's a stressful job just by the nature of what firefighters do. We can't change that in the same way that we can't change the distance from the station to the scene of the emergency. Those things are just you know out of our hands. But what we can do is help in any way possible to make that alert a little bit less stressful and to make sure everybody responding is in tip top shape, ready to perform to the best of their abilities. Well, I love the story and the passion behind it all. And it, it's such a, a great way to approach and, and find both incremental and exponential progress here on, on a serious problem. And so it's October, 2021. And where are you now from the product deployment standpoint, um, as far as pilot programs or being used in the field? And so what do you see as the next three, six, 12, 24 month roadmap from an implementation or, or product development standpoint? So we're changing gears from R&D. We've been in the lab, working on the product, getting firefighter feedback in a small group with pilot tests. And we've been doing that for two years now. And based on all the feedback we've gotten, the iterations we've made, we're very confident in the system at this point. So we're reaching out to interested fire departments and we're taking on a list of early adopters. These are fire departments who are interested in trying it out before we really go to market. So we've, we're reaching out with these fire departments and outfitting them for a trial to let them see it in their hands and give us feedback on it. And if they do want to purchase it, they have it right there ready in one of their stations. And then moving forward over the next six to 12 months, it will be just going, going to market, commercializing this product and making sure that we get it to as many firefighters as possible and you know, improving the system incrementally as we move forward, just keeping our eyes and ears open all the feedback in the world is really important. So we're not stuck in, you know, offering our product to firefighters. This is the firefighters product. And that's a big influence for us is making sure we stay open-minded and listen to what the firefighters have to say and make sure that we give them the best alerting system they can have. It's really cool and commendable, Blake and Brad. And I appreciate everything you've done as far as from where you started about two years ago and where you are today. And you, everyone who's listening here heard it. I mean, you're you have the proof of concept and now you're looking for the early adopters. So we definitely want to foster and help support some of those early adopters 
And then I wanted to reiterate this question just within the product development roadmap. You mentioned there's the vibrate component, but there's also maybe some component of lights or mm -hmm. different types of vibrating. But is there even a way of kind of having specific types of vibrate that can be learned in terms of knowing vibrate? You know, A is, you know, buzz, buzz, buzz means a, you know, this type of call, or if it's longer buzz, shorter buzz is this type of call, or complementary lights flashing in some capacity is another type of call. Is that something that you see as a way to kind of help continue to mentally prepare the firefighter through your alerting system? Yeah, completely. That's exactly the type of feedback that we're open-minded to. And we've gotten some thoughts on, you know, give us an LED light to tell us what type of emergency or your idea of the specific tactile alerts. That's a, a very interesting solution to help firefighters even more. So yeah, we're, we're all ears to those sorts of ideas. And we've got the development team behind our back ready to, to make it happen. So, you know, we're just open eyes, open ears, ready to deliver whatever is needed to the market. And we're excited to get it out in the, the firefighters' hands. And if I could add one thing to that, you know, with the technology that's out there, we've seen a lot of change in the fire department, whether it's we have TV screens that, that show the dispatch information on there now, or I've talked about they've changed the auditory alerting system and the tones in the station to having mobile data terminals on the apparatus to further enhance the, the dispatch information. All that stuff is making it better. And this is just another example of technology that can help improve that. The leading cause of death for firefighters is cardiovascular disease. We're finding out now that as many or more die from cancer and suicide as well. All three of those stress plays a major impact, negative impact in that. And, you know, this product right here definitely helps to reduce my stress when we're getting the, the dispatch information. That's not a pitch. Dad, that's a pitch as a firefighter. You know, I've seen it, I've used it, and I definitely feel those positive effects from it. Yeah, just speaking facts there, Brad, and and I guess I, I want to parlay that into another question. As you are a firefighter and, and you know there are some tendencies in the fire service to both be very open and willing to some technology and then on the flip side also be very not overly well receptive to something new and then some stuff in between, of course. But what would you say to a firefighter that is on the fence or someone that's just like maybe thinks it's a cute idea but has no place or kind of what would you say to the kind of the suspect or suspicious firefighter around adopting some new technology like ease alert that's a great point uh, humans are inherently opposed to change and firefighters take that to the 10th degree we are based on tradition and we like to keep that the same thing being said that we don't have horse-drawn engines anymore you know, we've got these these fire engines now that cost a lot of money and are drive like Cadillacs. And so we absolutely invite change and we want change. But look at the statistics. Look at what's the causes, the major causes of death and fire, death and injury in firefighters. And that we have a reduced life expectancy compared to non-firefighters just because of our job. And there is science behind what you can do to help reduce those causes and hopefully, you know, make us healthier and live longer. And at the same time, improve efficiency in, in the workforce. We change as much as we say we don't like change. We change every single day. We're always coming with new products and new ways of doing things and, and improving things. So it is true that we are opposed to change, but it is absolutely also true that we change a lot. And I would encourage anybody that, you know, look at the stats and look at the facts out there. And if you can identify ways to make yourself better, that's your responsibility. That's why you signed up for this job. So that's what I would I would tell them, encourage them to do. Thanks, Brad. Blake, would you add anything to that? 
No, he, he hit the nail on the head. It's awesome. It, it's really fun for me to be doing such a passionate project and be helping my dad and helping America's heroes at the same time. And I'm just really fortunate to be on this path and on this mission. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak on your platform and get to know you over the past several months. And I look forward to the future and growing together. Yeah, man. You guys are both doing it from a place of just trying to help others and be of service and trying to help our Americans, firefighters that are are helping and protecting our community on a daily basis. So kudos to both of you and, and Brad, thank you for your, your ongoing service to the, to the fire service and just really excited to see what happens next. So we'll make sure everyone to check out the, the show notes and um, check out the links uh, with Blake and Brad. And so look forward to staying in touch and seeing anything that happens. And thank you for joining us here today on the Smart Firefighting Podcast. Well, thanks for what you do, Kevin, and how you do. We appreciate it. And it takes all of us to help. You know, it's everybody's got to get involved. So I appreciate your time and efforts as well. For sure. Right now, guys. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the Smart Firefighting Podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard and got any value, please drop us a rating, leave us a comment, or reach out to us on social media. Have a great day. And together, we can advance the future of smart firefighting.